Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. everybody and welcome in to winter is blooming a game of thrones rewatch podcast by us the penny bloom podcast today we are discussing season three episode five kissed by fire written by brian cogman the cogman and directed by alex graves casey moboy so i'm colton robertson i'm joined by joseph george what's up homie oh what up what up always a pleasure to be here Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And another goodie, another goodie. Mm-hmm. We got back-to-back goodies uh, directed by Alex Graves here. These were a couple great episodes in a row, if I'm uh, if I'm being for real with you. And this one did not let up. It was, uh, mm-hmm. some, again, some big moments that you don't realize are happening now, but they're happening, and you're like, oh, shit, okay, bet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, another another one that's going to be tough to assign some favorites to. I was going back and forth. I'm I'm trying to spread the love as much as I can this episode, but wow, I think we're going to run into this problem um a lot um coming up here. You know, I think for the big episodes, it, it, the scene and stuff is going to be pretty easy, but like for these episodes that are just the normal average episode where you check in with so many different yeah. people, it's it's going to just I don't know. It it's really hard to to really like usually the favorites can almost cover an entire episode sometimes like for a mando episode or for um i don't know just for for any other episode that we'll cover usually the favorites kind of cover everything but mm. in this case it's like there's a lot just left off the board um, yeah because i was like i we kept switching scenes and i kept being like oh no but that was going to be my favorite. Oh, no. Now this is my favorite. Yeah. Shit. I don't know yeah. how I'm going to be able to show all of this love. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I had it open while so I was watching. Good. And yeah, it was updating constantly. It was like, oh, okay. Performance without a doubt. There's no way anyone goes better than that. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Wait, never mind. And then it's, uh, yeah, going. It was just a back and forth. but A mile a minute. A mile mm-hmm. a minute. But uh yeah, what do you say we dig into it? We got seven locations here, and uh, according to you, you got some trivia that will make it six mm. for me, so I'm ready for that. But uh, <laughs> we will begin Beyond the Wall, where Jon Snow is with a group of uh, about 20 wildlings under the command of Tormund Giant Spain. And they're sent there by Mance Raider to scale wall and attack Castle Black. And Jon and Negret are gathering some firewood, and the the warg is like, so? What the fuck's going on at, uh, with the Night's Watch? How, how much they got going on? Mm. Uh, he's like, I've seen that there's a bunch of patrols on top of the wall, and I want to know how frequent they are, how many there are, what we're doing. And John says, you know, they usually send out patrols in teams of four, two builders to inspect for structural damage, and two rangers to protect. Uh, frequency is not very solid. And he's like, yeah, so I know there's 19 castles. I want to know how many of them are manned. Um, mm. John's like, ah. Yeah, he's he's going back and forth here. He's like, man, do I keep snitching? He's like, I already, I've already said a lot, but like, 
well, he's like, yeah. I don't know. He he makes his mind up. You know, I I don't know. I can't really tell. Is like, is a thousand men? That's is that true? No, they don't like have it, a thousand men. Not even close. Yeah, that that's. I think they have like a couple hundred. Yeah, uh, and like I maybe was it and that was close before. Like, to a hundred, or maybe was it close to a thousand before that? You know, the White Walker. If I remember correctly, it was like six hundred, and they've been cut so in like still half. Not even, yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, like, so, it's so like he's lying. Bad. So he's he's mm-hmm. he's still pulling for them a little and bit. I don't know how truthful he's being about there being three men, three man towers because, and even if there are, it's like barely. Like they they do not have yeah. as many men as Castle it's Black. Like, it's just Castle Black. Maybe there's people staying there at the. But it's cabs, like a few know? of them. They can't like, hold it against anybody. Because uh, if I remember correctly, when we go to like East Watch by the Sea later in the later mm-hmm. in the show, it's like twelve dudes. Like there's like nobody <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, it is interesting that he's he is introduced to a warg that can go and see these things. You know, I guess like. Mm-hmm. Um, like, cause he he calls him a liar immediately. The warg, he's like, no shot. He's like, you're fucking, you're lying. There's no way. There's a thousand men. Like, I think he like kind of. I think I, he's kind of testing them. Yeah, they know. Like, they know, or at, at least, I don't know. Maybe how much do they trust the wargs? You know, I guess maybe right. is this because if they trust the wargs a hundred percent, then this would just be a test on John, and they know he's lying right now, right away. Right. Unless they can't go past, has he never gone past the wall? Like, how far does his warg? Yeah, I wonder if like there's like a warg. I guess uh, the wall's pretty range. magical. Maybe like it's like you know a bird, it just flies into a window. You know, like right when it hits mm. the wall, just boop in the mind. Like you yeah, can't go past seen, this sort of thing. Uh, and you know, maybe Brand's powers are a bit different, but he can. Fl- mm. And maybe it's different with like northern birds compared to southern birds, but like. <laughs> Southern birds can fly yeah. past the wall, and they have gone over the wall and flown north. Uh, maybe okay. they just can withstand a different degree of temperature, and, su- and northern <laughs> birds are like, ooh, no, yeah. I'm not going there. doesn't matter well, how hard that... you try to control me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. Regardless, I think it is more of a test than anything else for John, and uh, he he's asked how many are at Castle Black. He says a 1,000. They know he's wrong. He's like, all right. Yeah, whatever. And Tormund tells John that he likes him, but if he's lying, he's gonna rip his guts out through his throat. Um, which it's, that's a threat I guarantee you, Tormund Giant Spain could make good on. Yeah, no, he's he's like that. Every, everyone out here, they're they're very real. Um, which I like too. It's like um, Egret comes up and defends John a little bit. He's like, he's he's no crow anymore. You know, he's no crow. And then I forgot he's who no said. Yeah, someone's like, well, just because you want him inside you doesn't mean that he, you know that you have to defend. You know, they're just yeah. everyone's just like very. You don't hear this kind of talk in King's no. Landing. You know, everyone's oh, very careful not. about their words and everything. But out here, it's just like, all right, well, well, we're just marching. You know, we were. Everyone just says what's on their mind right away. Um, wonderful. It's wonderful. And if it's you want to fuck, you, you want to fuck. You know, like yeah, yeah. If, if they're it's, about if it's it. going to happen. It's going to happen, and that's when mm-hmm. my favorite scene begins. Uh, John and Egret then walk away, but she steals his sword, Longclaw, <laughs> making him chase her to get it back. She, you know, the classic little flirty, you know, I'm gonna steal something from you and try and play keep away with you and stuff. And 
John being like, give it back. You know, like, it's so funny that like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's just really, give it back. And she yeah. leads him into a nearby cave, which is heated by natural hot springs from a uh, waterfall and a pool. And Egret starts undressing. And uh, John's like, Egret, we, uh, we shouldn't, right? No. Oh, my God. He just—he he doesn't move though. He keeps watching her get undressed, and he's like, "Okay, yeah." I mean, no. but like, oh man, he's like, "Yeah, no, but, make this over." But, yeah, but de- but definitely, I'm definitely he's like, he's like, "I did make a vow. I did like, I did take the, you know, I, I did say those words, but but now I'm like, I'm north of the wall. I'm mm. free, and I, 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 you could kind of see like all of this go through his mind, you know. And then he's like, yeah. "All right, he, I, yeah." This is undoubtedly my favorite scene, mostly because it's just a culmination of my favorite relationship in the entire show. So it's like uh, it's just a really big moment for one of my favorite parts of the show. And they, uh, you know, Jon Snow gives in a little bit, uh, breaks Mm -hmm. his breaks his vows of celibacy. And she quickly shucks off all of her clothes and walks up to him naked. Jon is very hesitant, but then goes ahead and he's like, yeah, you know, I. uh, Sure. Yeah, I guess. And uh John continues to kiss her up and down her body and she's she insists like, "Ah, oh, you you don't you don't know, you're nothing. You haven't done this before. Oh, you know nothing, John Snow." Whoa. Whoa. Freaking... Uh, then he gives her head and it's pretty yeah. pretty awesome. And uh he just he just knew what to do. It just felt right to him. You know, I I love that I just wanted that, to kiss you there. Yeah. I, I it just felt I just wanted to ki- I I, lo- I I don't know Jon Snow is just uh it's it's kind of like uh Podrig um is just you know absolute different tier still you know yeah, like yeah. John John doesn't John's even got good instinct but yeah, yeah he's yeah, he's yeah. got he's got a little bit he, he, Podrig's yeah. the full package I don't we don't that, that even, man's that man's we different. can't even fathom what Podrig <laughs> is on. but like but John is just any man can fathom what yeah. he is capable of. Um, uh, I mean, it's just, it also makes sense, just north of the wall, wildling sex is probably just not very passionate whatsoever. No, no. Um, so, I mean, she's, she's. I don't know, uh, maybe Egret knows nothing. She's clearly, really completely, here. completely um, unfamiliar with the concept of, hmm. of uh, get, getting her pussy ate. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not something she's ever yeah. experienced or even seen around her, yeah, thought, maybe, heard about. Well, is John... Is he like is, a pi- is he the pioneer of eating pussy <laughs> north of the wall? I he has to be. He has to be. I'm sure That's someone's done it before. And who knows? You know, there's that shit in the Sopranos where it's like uh <laughs> like men like men are supposed to not like eating pussy. It makes them it makes them uh for some reason mm, can't kiss, kissing of can't a vagina be known. makes you gay, apparently. Can't be known. Can't be done. Uh, yeah. That's the most insane shit I've ever heard in my life. Whenever I was watching The Sopranos and that came up, I was like, "What the fuck are they even talking about, bro?" Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> but that's my favorite line of the episode, right there. Oh, yeah, I almost, nothing. I almost, you know, the scene it popped up. I'm like, "Oh, we're getting this. Like this, it's it's happening in this episode." You know, it's what a beautiful scene. Pretty um, escalates pretty quickly in in a way that I didn't really remember being so. Uh, you know, I know they've been like really, really flirty and stuff, but what's really interesting to me is the after, you know, when they're mm. lying together, cuddling and everything, and is like a thought thing you did with your mouth. And he's like, oh, no, it's just a 
I just wanted to kiss you there is all. And uh, he admits that he'd never been with anyone. She's like, oh, you were a maid. <laughs> you little then, virgin uh, boy. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. kind of like, I don't know, like a little, yeah, like the modern equivalent. <laughs> but Yeah, then she goes through her past lovers. John eventually has yeah. enough. And John and Eager then slide into the hot springs to uh, take a bath together. And uh, Egret tells John she wishes they could stay in this cave forever. And uh, that's that's the line that I went with, just because yeah. I love I love the that actual line. good line of, of the scene. I mean, yeah, uh, my, but like, that was the bit that made me go, "Wow, this escalated like absurdly fast." I feel like like it went from flirting to yeah. fucking, which is not uncommon. That happens a lot. And uh, I mean, I really think it's that just doesn't happen like north of the wall. Like I don't know that yeah. like that's just so uncommon to have just actual passion. North of, like, I feel like it's all just very brutal and very, I don't know, lustful. There's no... Oh, and there's also this fact that they are probably just trying to stay alive out there and keep their people alive. So a lot of of sex probably comes with the fact that it's like, we don't want to be the last of us, do we? You know, like... uh, That's true. There's probably that fact, too. Uh, Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll throw this in. This is where the... The location fact comes in. This cave where they fuck, it's the same cave um, in real life, not in the show, but in real life where they shot the Hound verse. Uh, that um, makes so uh, much sense. Yeah, what? Oh my god, what's his name? Barrick? Uh, Barrick, yes, Barrick. Dondarian, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just the same cave. So where John and Egrid fuck and take a bath together, uh, that's where Arya and the Hound and Barrick and Gin. You know, all, all them are chilling. No, um, yeah, just framed a little differently. <laughs> they dumped a little water in there. They were like, yeah, this will be cool. Yeah. Uh, no, I dig uh, that. That's cool. And the yeah. transition of um, – it literally transitions from, like, their sex and, like, them in, like, that line to the fight. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or I think it maybe oh. opens with the fight, and then it goes – Yeah, it, the, the episode starts with the fight. Yeah, um, it opens with the fight, then it goes – north of the wall and then they fuck they're in the cave and then it goes back to the cave i think after the fight is over no shit that's funny yeah it goes uh, it goes right back um and then they're like cool. yeah they put the, they're like well oh well i lost put the bag over the hound's head and get him yeah. out of here so well you know i like the way it shows just how differently set pieces can look if you light them differently and if you shoot them at a different angle and stuff like this I can see that now that you point it out to me, but like I didn't think that at all while I was watching it. It was really well done. Um But yeah, I just wanted to this this was easily my favorite scene. It had my favorite line, and part of that is because Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie's chemistry is absolutely fucking absurd. Makes um, sense. They um, are married, after yeah. all. They uh That they that does make to, sense. Um. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to That helps pretend really you know and this yeah. was i mean they were not prior so ma- there's so right many now, right yeah they're married they're not married until between season seven and eight like uh, yeah okay but i guess but when did they start dating? that's that's like a big that's like a big uh speculation thing yeah, you don't just harrington you don't just, you don't just marry. never never confirms that he's always yeah. just kind of like oh you know we met on set of game of thrones and then stuff then whatever you know you don't like just, never... you don't, yeah there was no no chance it wasn't just like oh by season seven he's like 
Yeah, I'll marry her. Oh, you know, yeah. maybe we'll just marry. No, her. Yeah, no, yeah. They, no, I don't know. They were I dating guess, for a while. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, no telling when that started. Though. Maybe this is the scene. You know, maybe they were like, "Well, wow, yeah, this is this." Well, and even if it wasn't, even if they hadn't started dating, clearly they had that potential. You know, like clearly yeah. they had something that was like, mm. "Oh, I like this person." You know, like uh, mm. it's not like you just start dating; you have a crush first. You know, like you said about being married; like it's not like you just get married, yeah. you start dating, and before you start dating, you realize you like a person, and then you start dating. Uh, mm. So there, there's, I think their chemistry kind of plays through in just a really, really raw and real way, and it really helps the scene in a big way. And I think that like uh there was there was a certain duo in this episode that just who normally and in any other episode their chemistry would just be like impeccable. And I think it was I think it was Rob and Talisa. Like their their chemistry is incredible. But then when you put it up next to John and Egret, it's like, oh well that's that's acting. You know what mm. I'm saying? Like, that's, like that's that's okay. what's funny, yeah. you know, like it's it, there's it's it's crazy how you can tell like hmm. the the real spark of chemistry compared to people doing their jobs. Um, hmm. And even so, they're incredible at doing their jobs. I don't want to take anything away from them. It's just that there was very clearly different tiers uh, to it. You know, sometimes. yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that does conclude the story north of the wall. And it takes us to Slaver's Bay, where Daenerys Targaryen's mm. newly freed army, the Unsullied, have just sacked Astapor, head north to the next of the three great slave cities, Yunkai. And uh, Jorah Mormont tells Sir Barristan Selmy how he was knighted at the end of the Greyjoy Rebellion, in which they both fought. Jorah explains that he was the second man through the breach during the Siege of Pike, right behind Thoros of Myr with his flaming sword. So there's another mention of it. I think that's like the second or third mention of Thoros Amir at the yeah, battle. Yeah, but not ba – so I, I thought that this was the same person the whole time. But this is – they're just – lore – like the, how – are they like the same kind of like Lord of Light champion sort of thing? Is that like – or just – is that like, I don't know, flaming sword? Like I, they both just have a flaming sword. I didn't know if like they're well, both just like – Thoros – is the guy who brings Beric back to life. Wait, that's Thoros? That's Thoros. Yeah, it's the same guy. Wait a minute. Uh, oh, yeah, wait a minute. The one, he's the one who runs through the Siege of Pike with the flaming sword in the front. He actually tells the story later, and he's like, I don't even remember it. I was so fucked up. Like, uh, uh, Okay, that clears it way more, because, okay. Thank God. Because I, I was like, is this dude some legend or something? Like, they're talking about him like he's some legend. I'm like, I swear, like, okay, this... Oh my god! Yeah. I was so confused whenever no, they were telling these stories. Same guy who brings Beric back to life. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Which does wow. help explain the flaming sword and such. Yes, he is. A, yeah. He is a champion of the Lord of Light. Uh, mm. But Barrison thinks that this is amusing, as he he wasn't actually there. He was commanding the siege of Oldwick at the time, and King Robert Baratheon himself knighted Jorah for his bravery that day. It was the proudest moment of Jorah's life, though he almost pissed <laughs> all over the king's shoes. It had been 16 hours in metal plate armor. Not a piss in sight. Not Didn't think about it during the battle. Not gonna lie, Jorah and Sir Barristan here. They got kind some like good a, interactions. A, like a cute little friendship that happened here. You know, it's like mm. the only people here that understand Westeros like at all, mm. basically. Big so, time, the, yeah. and and the only people that will understand their stories and 
Like, because if, if Jorah tells this story to anyone else, it's kind of like, it's just a story. It's like, I don't know anything of what you're saying. I've never seen right. any of this at all. But cool story. But Barristan is actually like, oh, yeah, no, I've been I've been there. Or it can no, add, I've you know, like, there. yeah. yeah. And, um, I remember and just... that big pivotal moment in the war. Mm. You know, like, I was, I was mm. fighting at the time. It wasn't there, but. But, man, I don't know if I just haven't really picked it up on previous watches, but, like, Daenerys, she is on her, like, Rhaegar, like, she is going. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, she is, like, every every time they, they speak of Rhaegar, it's always like, he was just so wonderful. You know, he, he just knew what to say always. He always did the right thing. Even though we were fighting and killing, he was, like, always inspiring people to follow him. And, and he would sing and just do, he was like a renaissance. He just did everything. Like, Daenerys just seems that, like, she's just doing the same thing. You know, like, yeah. she knows what she has to do, and she's just she's going for it yeah Um, now Daenerys is super fucking cool and she's been all the more enjoyable on this rewatch uh just just the rise that character saw you know like uh her and Jon Snow actually have like very similarly structured stories hers just happens a lot quicker you Mm. know like uh throughout the first season kind of being not a background character she's clearly the focal point of her storyline it's just that she's all the way in essence yeah, like, yeah, but she, yeah, and she's subservient to everyone around her, you know. Like she's she's in her Night's Watch era when she's under Cal Drogo and her brother and stuff. Like that's she's mm. not the she's not the man in charge until you know she she becomes Lord Commander, she becomes Queen, and she eventually leaves Essos, leaves the Night's Watch, and so on and so forth. Like they have this similarly structured mm. story that I think pays off really really well. And uh, ultimately culminates in what we always wanted, just in the way that we didn't exactly anticipate, I would say. You know, I remember watching these early seasons, like, and it wasn't yet, you know, I think it was probably more towards season five, after, like, Jon Snow has become, like, a legend, you know? And it's like, God, when are Jon Snow and Daenerys going to finally meet each other and something happens there, you know? Because, like, uh... It always felt inevitable, and then, like, uh, e. yeah, the last couple seasons, man, it's yeah. it's hard It's hard to pull off the ending of such a legendary show. Like, it's just a, a big, broad story. It up? Yeah, that's hard, man. It is. But, anywho, uh, Barristan admits that Robert was a good man and a good warrior, but a terrible king, and Barristan is sorry that he wasted so much of his life defending kings who didn't deserve it spent 17 years under Robert and the Mad King before that, and he just wants now to serve with pride fighting for someone he believes in. Then that's when their talk turns to Daenerys, and Jorah says that Barristan can believe in her. Barristan says that she'll, you know, have good men to advise her, though he respectfully warns that it might not be well for her to be seen with Jorah when they return to Westeros. You know, Mm. you are, you are pretty widely despised back home, Jorah. Uh, you know, you uh, kind of. I mean, some, you sold some people, and that's not ba- good over there. Barrison not just, good anywhere. It's it's. I don't know. I don't know what it, if his motives are truly just like I believe in Daenerys, and I actually see this as a threat to her when we get back. Um, it's such a small threat, you know. Like just Jorah being there, I think the people mainly be focused on um, Daenerys coming to Westeros 
alive in the first place with three dragons with a fleet of ships coming at you know i don't think they're going to be like oh but jorah mormont's there ah, we don't we don't really fuck with daenerys no now, yeah you know? but like um, that's that's and i think there's enough there hasn't been enough legend in daenerys's corner yet as to what she'd be coming home with you know like because eventually she becomes the breaker of chains she frees slaver's bay like she i guess she hasn't done all of that yet. she hasn't done all that yet. aren't that yet so and I so guess like that whenever is... so whenever they come back later if jorah could have made it all the way to the end i think it probably would have played a little differently where it's like even in the eyes of noblemen because that's who they're concerned about it's not like they're concerned like the people will be like oh uh, well jorah mormont won't sold sold people you know i don't know if i like that they don't know jorah <laughs> mormont did that you know like that's uh that's yeah. that's the the lords and ladies that they're worried about being like oh but she has jorah mormont at her side should we support her mm. um I see now. If okay. one day when they come back and she has freed Slaver's Bay, I think it kind of helps Jorah's image and doesn't ultimately matter. Um, but right now, I think it's a relatively fair concern. Um, and and frankly, I think he, his motives are good. He's just looking out for Daenerys. Like He's like, if you truly care about Daenerys, the best thing for her might be for you to not be in her corner. You're not you're not beloved yeah. over there. Nobody nobody fucks with you, dog. You're kind of a <laughs> fuckboy. Uh Damn. Well, that's what happens <laughs> if you sell people. Um, don't do that. I get you know that that's that's pretty easy. Just don't don't do that, um, and you won't have to worry about that ever. Um, well, and then Jorah kind of asks him a little bit, like, uh, you know, do, do do you know that I spied for hmm. Varys over here for a little bit? Do you know that uh, without asking it directly? You know, he's like, uh, so the advisors of the small council, uh. <sighs> Any of them oh, speak against Robert when he wanted Daenerys, yeah. you know, dead? And uh, it becomes... Well, you're not on the small council? Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. Cool. Ooh. Yeah, he's Ooh. like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, which is, I don't know. I guess uh, I didn't think about this until now. Like, it didn't hit me that just he wasn't on the small council and that he mm -hmm. should have been, you know, just being the leader of the... King, or, yeah, I don't Kingsguard. know what, what the... Is it just leader of the Kingsguard? I feel like there's a... a a proper name Lord for Commander. That. Yeah, Lord Commander. Um, but I don't know. It didn't hit me until, like, Jorah, like, I don't know, it was just said. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess he's not. And then, we, I mean, the small council is now just, it's not Robert's small council anymore. It's all, well, I guess some people are the same. Most people are the same, actually. Tyrion would be the only change in, I guess, Renly little finger is out. Renly, yeah, dead. Um, okay, yeah, so that... Yeah, you know, Littlefinger, Varys. I think Littlefinger and Varys. Is he still in? Is Littlefinger still? Because he's not Master of Coin anymore, but he's... Yeah, like, he would be if he wasn't given hair, yeah. or if he wasn't given the reach. Like, he was He was still mm. up until, like, two episodes ago. Yeah. Um, but, uh, anywho, they, uh, Jorah's a bit relieved to find that Barristan wasn't on the, uh, the King's, er, on the, uh, King's Small Council, but... Uh, he's curious as to why he wasn't. He's like, oh, you know, I, I killed a bunch of Robert's friends, and I served <laughs> under the king before him. Robert didn't mind me keeping the position. He knew I was a really good advisor. He knew I was a really good guard and a really good knight. He just wasn't going to trust me to be at small council meetings, and I got that, but it sucked, you know? And uh, Didn't he say he was like, 
Like it sucked, but I actually kind of enjoyed it. He's like, yeah, I hate he's like, politics. I never, I never cared for the politics of it he's all. Like, it was kind of dope. like, oh well, but like honestly, it was kind of nice not having to deal with all that, you know? Yeah. Um, you got to keep the title, got to because that's the thing. He is that he is Sir Barristan. He was that know? guy. Like, yeah. He, he, I mean, still, even now, people are like afraid to test him in his old age. So like. I mean, he even said, I could slice you all like a cake or whatever. I don't know. I had that line at one point. So, um, yeah, I'm not fucking with Sir Barristan, but Yeah, and uh, Jorah and Barristan then briefly bicker about the fact that Barristan only just came to them. It's bold of you to be giving me mm. directives and stuff. And he says, I uh, take my orders from the queen. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and like they're both I, like, "All right, fair enough." You know, like I, I like the Barristan's. Like, it, he's not—he's not irrational ever. He's a very level-headed dude. He's like, "Yeah, yeah all right, man, sure." I'm just saying. Like, actually, actually, fair enough. I don't know. Like, yeah, true. I, I get it. You did some some bad shit in the past, but we are over here in a different mm-hmm. world, and we are following Daenerys. I, I don't know. I think this was a very important. They both understand each other now, and they both, you know, Big instead time. of conspiring against each other or trying to usurp one or the other it's they're they're i don't know seems seems like they're good friends now um, i would say so after this, i would say so. so yeah but uh meanwhile daenerys and her homie masande meet with the assembled officers of the unsullied she addresses them in low valyrian and says that they are now no longer slaves but free men and they can make their own choices and she asks um, who among them did they choose to be the leader of the unsullied and the way they instantly instantly they're like have you guys chosen a leader amongst your groups boom and they're like yeah it's this dude this dude's this fucking is... sick like, i'm reading straight off the uh like the fandom you know like what mm-hmm. wikipedia is for star wars whatever that is for game of thrones the game of thrones wiki and mm. uh this is kind of hilariously worded uh so i'll, I'll read you word for word Two sentences in a row. She addresses them in low Valyrian and says that now they are no longer slaves but free men and they can make their own choices. And she asks them to choose among them to be a leader of all the unsullied. They part ranks and one of the eunuchs steps forward. Maybe like, a robot wrote this one. I don't know. I don't that, yeah, that doesn't, like, yeah, they that are doesn't seem... they are eunuchs, but like I don't know, one of the one of the men, one of the people, one of the one of the eunuchs steps forward. I don't know. I just thought it was a little funny. Wow. Uh, yeah. But, uh, like a little jab at them for no reason there. Yes, like, yeah. Uh, okay. Um. But, you know, she asks him to remove his helmet and tell tell her his name. And he introduces himself as Grey Worm. And Daenerys is like, um, Sande, I'm going to need that one cleared up for me because uh, I don't think I heard that right. And Masande's like, no, no, they, uh, the slave masters would give them names that reminded them of what they were. You know, vermin, gray worm, red flea, black rat, etc. Uh, and Daenerys is like, okay, well, I got to change that like ASAP. Uh, for all y'all, uh, you can change your name to whatever the fuck you want because that's that's pretty bad. Um, you could ch- you can reclaim the name your parents gave you, whatever. I don't care. Just as long as you choose your name, that's cool. And uh, gray worm's like, well, I mean. I choose to be known as Grey Worm. And I was very close to picking this as my it favorite line or scene. Yeah. Like, it's just... Grey Worm's you know, a lucky name. Do yeah. you know why? It's because it's the name that Daenerys Targaryen freed. Like, or, you know, he went on much longer yeah. and said, you know, 
his no, whole yeah, life. The name that then, my parents gave yeah. me is bad, is cursed because it was the name that got enslaved. Mm. Grey Worm is the name I had when this one was freed. Mm. Uh, this like, one, not I, this one. Uh, yeah. Just, oh, I don't know. It's, and Daenerys, like it's, it's fueling her ego for sure. You know, like she's hearing this and she's like, okay, I'm doing, I must be doing something right. You know, I'm maybe not fueling her ego in a bad way, but like this, no, like it lets her know she's on the right path. Yeah. Like, uh, and it, she didn't expect this at all. You know, she expected a complete name change and maybe for him to just to say, you know, I am, blah, I am blah, Jacob blah. Anderson. And, <laughs> yeah. I am Dan Smith. Um, <laughs> and, but no, it, it, I don't know this. I love like in Amelia Clark's reaction to this. I don't think she even says many words. It's just kind of like her, her facial acting that she has through this is, is She's so really good. good. She's um, really good. But um, still, I don't know. That's the thing. It's. I don't think anyone touches one guy this episode. I'm not going to lie for performance. I don't. I don't think it's close. Um, and, and yeah, we'll he hasn't there. come up yet. Yeah, he um, hasn't come up yet. And he was damn close to being my pick, but I went a little. I like. I was comfortable going with someone else because I had zero doubt you would go with him. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know it's, what I'm saying. So I I, that, like, that's the thing. I'll, I'll I'll let everyone have their flowers whenever they they come up in you know in in the 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 talk but but whenever we get to him he he's gonna win it but hmm. that's the thing everyone is still they know their character so well like everyone here it's it's so difficult to not not want to to say that lena hetty also just knows cersei so hmm. fucking well and she did it again and like and amelia clark is playing in there like it's it's insane how well these people can just play the characters every episode they're incredible they're um, incredible um but that does conclude the story over in Slaver's Bay. And it leads me to my question time. Let's go. I'm ready. So there are four actors in this episode oh, shit. who appear in Disney era Star Wars. <laughs> oh, okay. I know one for sure. There um, are four of them who appear in live action Disney era Star Wars. They are the actors in on camera and everything. So, whenever Captain you Phasma and Brienne of Tarth. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, that was the one that immediately popped in my head. Okay, I know that for sure. Um, let's see. No, that's Marvel. Gwendolyn Christie as Captain Phasma and Brienne of Tarth. She appeared in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Amelia Clark. Uh, Kira. Kira and is solo, Daenerys. correct. Um, okay. So much Marvel crossover that's not, that's Game of Thrones in Marvel, but not mm. Star, not, not Star Wars. Because I was thinking Richard Madden, I'm like, no, that's, 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 that's Icarus. Marvel. That's Kit Icarus, Harrington, no. That's yep, Marvel, no, that's no. Ooh, those might be the only two I can get right now. In this episode, specifically as well? In this episode. Fuck. this specific episode, there are four. I'm blanking on the other ones right now. I can now. give you the last two if you concede. I think I concede, yeah. I think I'd stop at those two. All right. Those are definitely the two biggest. The other mm -hmm. two are definitely supporting characters. And not to say Phasma is not a supporting character, but... uh. 
they were in movies and relatively big roles in movies. Uh, Anton Lesser plays uh, Kyburn and Major Partagas in Andor. <laughs> okay, okay. That's right. Uh, I would have never got that. Okay. No, yeah. And that's yeah. that was the third biggest one. The okay. the last one is like he's in the movie for like a couple scenes maybe. And uh Ian McElhenney, who plays Barristan Selmy is uh General Dadana in Rogue One. General Dadana, no way. Yeah, yeah he's just Good standing around the like He's standing around the war table whenever they're like, whenever really? Jin's like, uh, we have to, we have to have hope, blah, blah, you know? Uh, yeah. Oh. So those are the four. Amelia oh, Clark yeah. is Kira. Gwendolyn Christie, uh, Gwendolyn Christie is Phasma. Ian McElhenney as Dodonna and Anton Lesser as Partagas. So four, four nice. actors in Disney era Star Wars. Nice. Nice. Yeah. A lot of crossover there. Mm-hmm. Glad I got two. I got a fifty percent there. I yeah, feel pretty 50% good on that. Not bad. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was I was a little I was thinking maybe three out of four if you got the part again. Part again. That's I I see I could have gotten there. I'd have to really think about it for a yeah. long time. Because he's he's um, a small part of this yeah. episode. Like he's yeah. not a big part of this episode. But uh, yeah, so that's the question time of the day. So we can move on mm-hmm. now and head to River Run, where mm-hmm. the prisoners Martin and Willem Lannister. Awake to hear shouting and fighting outside the door to their cell, and Lord Rickard Stark walks on in, murders them brutally, and gets the fuck out of there. Um, just just felt like killing some children, Car Stark. Hell of a Vengeance. guy. Hell of a yeah, guy. Yeah, I guess that's how you do um, it. Uh, Kill Tommen early, though. You know, just get yeah. Tommen, Tommen to death <laughs> uh, real quick. Um, I don't know. It's funny. Just to like, yeah, we'll, hopefully people won't. Re- I know. I didn't recognize. Tommen when he came back up like I didn't, I didn't recognize either. that this was the same either. kid so it worked definitely I mean they do they do um, stuff like this a couple of times if I'm not mistaken and this is the only one that's like a kind of blatant like it's like a big he comes back as a big character there are a few actors yeah. who are just kind of sprinkled in in multiple roles who aren't big there are a bunch of background actors but yeah regardless uh the bloody corpses of these two kids are laid out on the floor of uh <laughs> of rob stark and uh river runs main meeting room and rob's disgusted uh talisa's in tears you know she treated these kids she helped them heal and stuff and rob's like huh are these is this everyone you're telling me five of you needed to murder two unarmed squires in their prison cells and car stark's like it was a father's vengeance and rob's like these boys had nothing to do with the death of your sons. They were both killed by Jamie Lannister. And Rickard's like, well, you can place these deaths at your mom's feet then. Because she, she let him go. And he's like, no, she didn't murder children. Okay? She didn't. Just the bottom line. In fact, those two dudes, your kids were killed before she ever let him go. Mm. Yeah, no, I, don't, I don't know when he drops it, but he just, yeah, like... These were boys, you know, he just like yeah. yells at him, like just a, like, it's not getting through his head that they're chill, you know, just children. Mm-hmm. And then he just lets it out, you know, and like, Rob's, Madden, Rob's my favorite. Like, uh, yeah. Like it, 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 you know, um, character makes a lot perfect sense here. He like, it's such a, like a difficult situation he's in. And he was right top here. three performance wise. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. This, was... this was a good scene. A good of of the count of his council. 
like a yeah. series of good scenes um, here yeah. in River Run, dude. Like um, well, yeah. Richard Madden just dominated in this one for me. Like I'm I'm tempted to I ah, shit. I think I'm gonna I feel bad because I was kind of given my performance previously her first nod. She hasn't gotten a performance out mm. of us. And I was I, I don't I, think I, Richard don't, Madden has gotten one yet though, has he? Richard Madden has. I've given oh, him one, I think. Okay. Um, I haven't given him one yet, but but like his performance is better. Like it's just it just it is better. Um so I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna change it to Richard Madden. Wow. Um I had okay. something else, but like reliving the episode in my head, Richard Madden's moments are too fucking strong. Um yeah. I previously I previously had Macy Williams and we will get there. Um she did really, really good in her scenes, but Nothing quite as Rob's memorable. were different. Nothing Rob's quite as different, memorable yeah. as Rob's acting. Yeah, because um, he—I mean—he had to tell off uh, Car Stark, you know, and, mm-hmm. and and go in on them, and and then even the, um, you know, take them to the dungeon, whatever, and they yeah. have that last guy that stays, and he's like, "No, no, I, 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 I just watched. Right. You know, I, I, I like you. Well, You're a good king." He's like, "Oh yeah, oh you just watched, oh, like." But he hates saying it. You know, he says it, but then after he's done it, everyone leaves the room. He's like, fuck. You know, like, like he doesn't like it. You could tell that he he has to, to appear kingly. This, and, is, Ned, this is Ned's son, bro. Yeah. Like, and, oh my God. He knows like, it's not the smart thing to do for the war. He's like, I know this is going to cost me men. I know. But how do I not punish this man for killing small children? You know, like yeah. this whole scene where Admir is insisting that if word of this leaves River Run, Taiwan will exact heavy reprisals for the deaths of his nephews. You know, he's like, quietly bury the boys. Keep silent until the war is over. And Rob's like, I'm not a fucking liar, dude. I can't fight a war in the name of justice if I'm not going to serve justice to murderers within my own ranks. And, uh, all of them are like, even Talisa is like, yeah, they're begging I, him. I, I they're completely like, get it. I completely get it. They're like, we, we know you're good. Out. We we yeah, we understand. Like they're all trying to convince him, and like, and and that's the thing is like, I I think they they got me to a point where I'm like, oh okay, man. I think they're actually getting to him a little bit here, you know. But then you see his face, and they're like, I don't know. Like I you don't you don't really know where it's going, and that's the thing. They it's just it cuts. Like mm-hmm. it cuts and you you don't know what's going on, you know, right away. And then you, you see the, the block, you know, a ledge. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you, you start to piece it together. But like during that time while they're advising him, it's like, this is Rob's small council right now. And it's like, it's so much more natural. It's, it's his family. It's his mother. It's his uncle. Mm-hmm. It's his, it's his wife. And they actually care about him. They don't, yeah. they're not like trying to gain their own favor like Littlefinger. Varys isn't just looking out for the will of, you know, Varys is looking out for the will of the people. But they care about Rob and trying to help Rob make the best decisions he possibly can. And I guess Uh, that's why Rob's the king, though. mm -hmm. You know, like he he's the one who, who makes the decision at the end of the day, who if he has to give the sentence as well, you he's know, gonna he's... swing the sword. Yeah, he ignores he ignores their pleas, and he has Lord Carstark brought out to the courtyard uh, to be executed during a rainstorm. And Carstark points out that not only are they both 
descended from the first men, but the Starks and the Car Starks are kin. Uh, founded centuries, the Car Stark is literally a branch of the Starks. Um, it's, I founded, mean, founded Stark, by a young Car son. Stark um, was the son who founded the house. Car Stark was named Carlin Stark. Like, he was a Stark, mm -hmm. but his first name was Carr, so he just said, fuck it, I'll name my whole house Car Stark. Wow. Uh, yeah. I wonder what the whole drama was there, because you got to have some pretty deep beef to go ahead and start your own house. I don't know. But uh, regardless, mm. Rob says that their blood relationship did not stop Rickard from betraying him, and it won't stop Rob from executing him now. And Rickard says it isn't meant to stop Rob. He wants it to haunt Rob until the day he dies, which was only a few episodes away. With his last words, Lord Rickard says that Rob will be cursed as a kinslayer and that Rob is no king of his. The king who lost the north. Obedient to the laws of his father, the man who passes the sentence shall swing the sword. And Rob declares death for Car for the Lord of House Karstark and personally beheads Lord Rickard. The musical swell and then the performance from Richard Madden here are absolutely fucking absurd. Like, an all-time moment in Game of Thrones, dude. Him, like, squeezing his hand. Like, he's, like, he's, he's pissed. pissed. Like, yeah. beyond pissed that he has to, like, oh, there's and there's so much going on. Like, so much going on at once. That's – there's no other show that can really – this is a small moment in the grand scheme of the show. Yeah. This is like nothing. Like – and that's insane. That It's it's also just visually so beautiful the whole so time. Good. Like, thank God it was raining, you know, made it so much cooler. Right. Uh, just that, that his hair was all – down to and all wet and it just everyone well, it just you know adds a, it and, adds an extra and, dreariness to the whole the whole scene like everything is much more devastating because of the rain coming down you feel mm -hmm. the gravity of the moment a lot more like if it was just a nice sunny day and all this happened there's no way this comes off as 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 ter terrible for him like it, this is a turning point for the war, yeah. you know, like this is the action that actually actively loses the war for him. He already set that in motion whenever he was going to when he married to Lisa, but. Killing off half of his force, essentially, that's that really the variant because yeah. who's he got to go to help for to replace those men? Walter Frey. You know, I I wish he just had the idea. Or did he did he have the idea of taking uh Casterly Rock before he killed um Karstark or after? That's after. Man, I wish he just had that idea before. And he's like, let's just do this real quick. Just take Casterly Rock and then we'll kill him. You know, like right. uh let's use well, the need but <laughs> they need to take Casterly Rock. Okay, yeah, you mean like to keep to keep the Karstarks in their corner for yeah. Okay. See, see. if if Talisa yeah. just came in there, and I don't know, wanted a little map lesson before. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah when, when he like grabs her hand and they're like pointing around the map, I was like, oh, they're so fucking cute. Oh, they are. So, and then he's like, wait a wait a fucking minute. 
I got an idea. King shit. If they don't want to face me head on, I'll face them where they're not. uh, It's sad. It's it's sad. Like him speaking the words. Like, oh, there's only one more man. I'm watching this. Like, oh fuck yeah. Why do I not remember them taking Casterly Rock? And then he's like, and we're gonna need the men of the of the man whose daughter I was supposed to marry. And I was like, no. Like, fuck. Yeah, that's that's the turn. Yeah, when he starts to, you know, and then you're like, oh, man, no. You're officially there, dude. Like, the the actions that lead to Rob's demise, it's upon us. It's within the next four episodes. Like, uh, I'm not ready for that, bro. That's not okay. Um, But, uh, yeah, we kind of covered the whole last section of that scene there, so I'll go ahead and head to Heron Hall. Mm. Where uh, Locke presents the captive Jamie Lannister and Brienne of Tarth to Lord Roos Bolton. And uh, Locke is quite proud of himself for his torture of Jamie. And uh, he's like, where's his hand? And he never lost it. It's around his fucking neck, sir. <laughs> and Roos is like, all right, dude, fuck get off. Get rid of this. He's um, like, get rid of Oh, to send it to them as a message. He's like, no. Like what the just, no. dude? Shut the fuck! Like go home or like, uh, like I, I don't know. It, it's it's insane that like they love torture so much and they love doing all this stuff, but then they can also be like, oh, no, you went too far, man. Like still, like I don't know. Like yeah, I guess I don't know. Maybe um, what's this Bolton? This uh, Roos. Roos. Yeah, maybe Roos just has a a bit more of a level head on him. I guess. Oh, uh, um, he's clearly guys, not. Clearly not a. A great sick fuck. Yeah. yeah, the way he yeah. goes. Oh, you didn't hear. Stannis stormed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Stannis laid siege to the city, and your sister. How do I, how do I say this? Hmm. Your sister is alive and well. Everything's yeah, okay. <laughs> and like, what? Like, I just love that you can tell this dude is a sick fuck, but he's holding up like a. Hmm. He's holding up a facade to try and lure this dude into being okay with him but he just can't help himself he's got to do like there is no reason to do that beyond being just a little fucking sick you know uh yeah jamie's already been through it. he's got his hand chopped off got fucking he drank horse piss um all just all in mud just like no water i've been through it and he's here i mean he's like the way he just drops to his knees though like when he hears that like is alive and well and he just like instantly drops and yeah. like it's like you know a runner at the end of a marathon you know they yeah. just like got to the finish line it's like they all that's all they wanted to hear mm. and it's all good it's like his performance starts here it's it's nicolaj coster waldo yeah, I, I, yeah. um it, it's him for this episode um because holy shit um starting yeah, now really fucking good. until the end he just has a lot of screen time as well um he he has a lot of a story time a lot of physical acting a lot of screaming and pain acting yeah. that he has to do as well it's like um i don't know he, he went fantastic. he went nuts this episode yeah um so yeah um I'll, I'll be really giving good. him his flowers the whole time here i appreciate that because he was he was the one that i was like oh well that's one I'm confident Joseph will go with. I got gotcha. you. So I'll yeah, I'll spread you. some love somewhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Jamie is so overcome that he collapses, and Bolton calls for Kyburn to attend to his injuries. And later on, Kyburn peels away the crude tourniquet that uh, 
Locke's men put on him, and finds that the stump of his right hand has become badly infected. Jamie's like, um, my dad, am I going to die? And Kyburn's like, no, but uh, the corruption has spread to the point that it would just be safest to take the entire arm. And Jamie goes, no, I'm going to go ahead and kill you if you try and do that. <laughs> um, yeah, Then you'll die. He's, he's like, like who the fuck even are you, bro? You ain't got chains. You're not a maester. And uh, Kyburn's like, well, you know, my, I was stripped of my chains by the Citadel. And they didn't exactly appreciate the experiments they called too bold quote unquote um <laughs> and kyburn's like all right i'll just have to take it at the elbow and jamie's like no grabs him by the throat uh i only need one arm to kill you he said yep. yeah he's like i don't need my other arm, my other hand to kill you a bar um, and uh <laughs> kyburn's like okay well then we're gonna have to try one of those bold experiments i was told about or uh i was uh you know, despised for. I'm going to have to go ahead and pick away the infection uh, little by little, uh, burning out the wounds with boiling wine. Uh, with <laughs> luck, this might stop the infection without having to amputate your arm, buddy. And, uh, and Jamie's like, okay, this is more like it. Yeah, um, no, I'd be like, bro, take my fucking arm, dog. Whoa. <laughs> like, yeah, like, boiling whoa. wine, and then to be like, I don't want a painkiller. What yeah, the And here's fuck? Milk of the Poppy. But it's... To make sure he doesn't just chop off his arm. Right. It, he right. wants to be awake to make sure that this is what he's doing. Because, mm. or he thinks he's also weak enough to where if he takes it, he might just die. Like, he might not live through it. it right. Like, he, I don't know. Uh, so I think it's it's kind of both. Like, he wants to make sure he keeps his arm and that he still can kill, you know, Kyburn if he needs to. Um, I'm risking it, bro. No way I'm letting you take a fucking tool just straight to my infected tissue and... Like, there will be pain. He's like, I'll I'll scream. scream. There will be a lot of pain. He's like... I'll scream loudly. Like, oh my god. So already at this point, I put in his his name um, in the episode. And then I think you get to Rob later on. Uh, it cuts mm. and then it goes to all Rob stuff and I'm like ooh or Richard Madden, um, you know, um, and then right. and then the rest of the Jamie scenes come on and then I'm like, I erased Richard Madden's name, you know, a little just slowly and I'm like okay, it is uh, now I know who who gets the episode here, right. but uh, right, but man, it's I don't know he like. There's the pain, you know, I guess, acting there and just bad, you know, having to just be badass guy. But I don't know. I, his best stuff is still coming. That's the thing is that it, th- this hasn't even gotten to the best acting of the episode. No, uh, for me, no, for him. Uh, so after that, Brienne is in Heron Hall's bathhouse scrubbing off weeks worth of caked mud and grime and filth from the trek. And Jamie then appears in the doorway assisted by a servant. Uh, barely able to stand due to the pain and he's he asks the servant to tell him take off his rags and leave and jamie then stumbles naked into the same bath that brianna's in she's like there are so many other baths dude what the fuck is wrong with you and uh he's like if i pass out do call for help i don't think i'll last very long if i do uh <laughs> he's like i'll probably drown and brianna asks you know why should i care how you die uh, he points out that she swore a solemn vow to get him to King's Landing in one piece. Not going like, very well, is it? <laughs> yeah. 
like, oh man. Uh, and I don't know. This, like, it, I guess it makes, you know, he gets in and says, you know, it's in case I pass out. But he really, you know. He wants I think, to pastor her and confess and all this. It, it, yeah, is that is that from, from like, he knew that he was going to kind of tell this story here? You know, like, from when he's walking in? Or do you think it's, like, he that he sits with her for a little bit and he's like, you know what? Like, I think I actually am ready to confess. Like, and this, like, it makes sense to, to tell this person now. Like, I, I, I was more curious if, he, if he's, like, been wanting to confess for so long and he's just been waiting or, like, if – him sitting in there for a little bit and then like he's like you know what actually like i don't think he i don't think he plans on telling her i think he insults her for her inability to guard uh mm. renly which is yeah. his automatic mode is and in, is insulting brienne and then he reflects on how kindly she actually has treated him in comparison to Locke and the bolton men mm. and Jamie's like, you know what? I don't want to fight anymore. I just want a truce. And Brian's like, dude, you've done nothing but insult me. I've been cool to you pretty much the whole fucking time. You want a truce? You got to make me trust you. And that's when he's like, okay, let me mm. tell, let me tell you a story then. And also, Brian get. I mean, she she was really pissed on that Renly remark. You know, she she got up and was like, yo, you better you better not. But he gave Jamie a, a chance to, you know. Admire, check her uh, out. You, you, Jamie, you could see was was up looking and up and down. Yeah, um, not and, uh, not subtle by any mm. means. So I mean, there's, I don't know. I think there. I, I feel there's like the only other person that Jamie would have ever confessed to is Cersei. Um, I feel like that's the only other person that he's probably ever told, if anyone. Um, but I'd say Cersei probably makes sense to say, to tell. I don't even think he'd tell Cersei. Really. You think Brienne's the first one that he's told? Um, ever? In full? Yeah. Because Cersei won't feel any empathy for him, and he knows that. Tyrion? Uh, Tyrion's a distinct possibility. Um, hmm. That's a distinct possibility. In fact, probably the most likely option, aside from, uh, aside from Brienne here. Just because hmm. I know that if he told this story to Cersei, Cersei would be like, suck it up, pussy. You know, like... Uh, She's mean. She is super that's mean, true. and she's done yeah. nothing but be mean and that's sexually forward towards Jamie. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, their relationship is so fucked up because they talk all this shit about loving each other, but they never have a like. All of the all of their scenes are marred and being stuff, but like they don't have a sweet scene. Someone is always pissed. One of them mm. is always angry. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, not, yeah. And it's usually hmm. Cersei because she's just kind of constantly angry. That is, that is but, just uh, who she is. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. Oh, okay. Jamie nice. notes that Brienne has had the same look on her face that he's seen on countless faces in the past seventeen years. People that despise him call him Kingslayer more than his own name, or Oathbreaker, a man without honor. And Jamie then goes on to recall the Mad King's obsession with wildfire. Are you familiar with wildfire? Yeah. He, w he loved watching people burn alive. He loved that shit. And Jamie recalls how Eris burned lords he didn't like, hands who failed him, and anyone he thought was against him. And ultimately, by the end of his reign, half of Westeros was against him. <laughs> so Eris had his pyromancers place caches of wildfire all over King's Landing. Under the great sept of Baelor, 
under the slums of Flea Bottom, under houses, stables, taverns, and even under the Red Keep itself. And after Robert's victory at the Trident, he marched on the capital city, but Jamie's father Tywin arrived there first, leading the entire Lannister army and promising to defend the city. Jamie warned Eris that his father was never a man to choose the losing side, that this must be a trick and he should surrender the city while he still could, but the Mad King refused. Nor did Eris listen to Varys when he gave the same warning that Tywin couldn't be trusted. But he did listen to Grand Maester Pycelle, who convinced Eris the Lannisters were there to help. Eris opened the city Grand gates. Grand Maester Pycelle. I don't know. Like, what a crazy, like, I- I'm listening to this, and I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm taken back by his performance here. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, I, don't, I didn't really, I don't know if I just didn't listen to this on, I don't know. I, it's really hitting the first time here on this watch, you know, like the Mad King and everything that he's doing here. And I'm like, oh my God, this is nuts. Like this, like what a story. And then it's like the one man to convince him, you know, grand mate, you know, pie cell. Of course, of course it's him. And, and I, I got to think it's, it's just the religious, like everyone else is just a advisor, but he always has the, the wise. And then like, well, the gods say this, you know, like, and he always has that. And that, that's why he's been able just to, to stick around for so long is that he's, he's always so wise and just, he, he has the, the gods aspect, you know, cause Joffrey, um, I remember was, was asking a lot of people of, of counsel and then Pycel says something of like, oh, well, it's okay with the gods. And he's like, oh, well, then, okay, yep. All right, good. Oh, I think it's like to, to, like be like done with Sansa and then go marry Marjorie. Um and then Pycelle's like, Yeah, that's okay with the gods and then he's like, Oh, okay, yep, then we can do it. Yeah, right. Um, sort of thing. So um I also think there's something there that's like uh people don't like to hear hard truth. You know? Mm. Like Pycelle tells him what he wants to hear in that moment. Yeah, the Lannisters. That's cool. also true. You can open the gates, it'll be fine. I guess he doesn't say anything religious in that. In that he just says, yeah, the you know, he might are be like, always you know, friend, friends of the crown. Mm, um, they've but always regardless, been. Regardless, like mm. it's it, it bodes well for Eris if that's the truth. So he goes ahead and accepts it. But as soon as the gates open, the Lannisters sack the city, and Jamie again begged Eris to surrender. But the Mad King ordered Jamie to bring him Tywin's head, and his pyromancer to set the city ablaze, burning its hundreds of thousands of inhabitants in wildfire. And Jamie makes it plain to Brienne that it, this was his breaking point, you know? Yeah. What would you do if Renly had exactly. commanded you to kill your own father and then stand by and do nothing as he murdered thousands of innocent people? And she can only sit in shocked silence. She's kind of like, uh, like her mouth's just agape. She's just yeah. watching. She's like, my fucking God, this is horrifying. And uh, like, Why this is truly a night's anybody. Yeah. Like, this is a night's worst nightmare, you know, like, uh, yeah. And I like it's it's you know it, it being Brienne it makes sense like why didn't you tell me like that that's my reaction you know when I'm hearing this I'm like oh my god Jamie why didn't you tell anyone and then he I mean he gets he's like is that when he starts talking about Ned like right mm-hmm. then and there he's like oh Ned you really Stark think? Man, a shadow that's just lurking over this entire episode just the whole fucking thing. Mm is is marred by the the memory of ned because i mean rob taking the actions that ned would have taught him jamie being like 
I couldn't I, I couldn't tell anyone shit because nobody would believe me. Ned saw Ned Stark saw the whole thing, and Ned Stark is the most honor. It's it's hilarious that Ned Stark was the most honorable man in the Seven Kingdoms, and everybody knew it. Like there was nobody who doubted that. They were like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's the guy." Yep. If he yeah. if he's saying something, it's the fucking truth. You know, like that's. So that's. So Ned was there when all of this went down. He walked in after Jamie had killed the Mad King. That's okay. Yeah. He didn't see right. all that's of it. The, okay. Ned walked um, through the doors and Jamie was standing over the dead body of the Mad King. And then he sees him slit his throat as well, which is pretty yeah. baller. That Jamie's yeah. like that Jamie's like, I stabbed him in the back. You know, it was reactionary. I had to do you know, I, I killed whoever first. He, the right. He kills yeah. yeah, he killed yeah, kills the Pyromancer first. Make sure like, he can't run off and yeah, burn the city. He tried to run, so I, I stabbed him in the back, but you know, he said, you know, if it was his goal to burn down the whole city and come back from the ashes as a dragon, I didn't want him. I didn't want to let that happen. So I fucking slit his throat. And I was like, oh, my God, like and thank God, because like that's a Targaryen right there. That could have been a dragon, yeah, you knows? know, like that, that could, you know, he, he if he liked wildfire so much, maybe, you know, I, I'd assume he probably knew he couldn't get burnt. I don't know. Maybe possibly probably. He probably played with fire a lot, so um, Daenerys can't get burnt. I'd say, like, if if Daenerys does that, you know, she just sets King King's Landing ablaze. The same exact thing happens when her dragons were born, but she just—I don't know. It's just like Khal Drogo's funeral, but much, much, much bigger, right? Uh, and so I don't know that that was this was just like a. I don't know. I, I wonder how long the actual scene was because it. I mean, it really like you were sitting with with Jamie and Brienne in the bath for for actually quite a while. I'd um, be willing to bet it's a good eight minutes. Like yeah, it was, uh, it was nice. Like it was just, yeah. It start. He walks in at about thirty six minutes and passes out. Let's see. At about yeah, forty two minutes. Okay. So. Wow, I mean that. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's. But man, you really just sit there and like it's just on Jamie, like just the camera, just just on him, just letting him tell the story. Incredible monologue. Yeah. Oh my god, was so good. Yeah, it's it's my favorite scene as well. Um, The bath, the bathhouse scene. Um, He gets the performance in, and the scene. I just the relationship is so uh, on rewatch. Like I, I love John and Egret, and I knew I, I already loved them. You know, and I'm like, oh, we're getting, you know, there's sex in the cave. But, like, this relationship is a lot more interesting to me with all just the Jamie stuff that I was missing before of, like, you know, maybe he he doesn't truly love Cersei. You know, it is kind of like a thing that he's convinced himself that he that he might love her. But, like, that now that he actually sees someone, you know, like Brienne and is falling for her. I don't know. It's it's very interesting on, on this watch. Uh, they fuck Jamie's story up at the end. Yeah, the I know, and that's worst. that's sad. Yeah, the that's the absolute sad worst ending of anyone's story in this show. Yeah, uh, I have no doubt in my mind. I um, mean, it like we were hoping that he would become the Queen Slayer, you know, like actually kill Cersei. I remember, like that's like what I was wanting, like telling everyone, like, oh, I hope he becomes the Queen Slayer actually, and and does kill Cersei, get her out of here, come you know, full circle, but yeah. 
No, you decided to run into a burning building and die uh, with her. What an idiot. Uh, moron. Uh, but yeah, Jamie goes on a rage yelling, you know, what right did Stark have to judge him? What By what right does the wolf dare judge the lion? And the strain, the, the strain of the recounting overcomes Jamie and he begins to faint, nearly face first in the water. But Brienne catches him. Help! The Kingslayer! Mm. Uh Jamie still calling him the Kingslayer after that. Yeah, I know. I was like, you just heard that. And he started with, man, people call me Oathbreaker Kingslayer. And then he, I I guess it's, it's just, she's used to it, you know, not used to it. Oh yeah. And it's, it's to serve this line. Yeah. Was, was, yeah. It's funny how this goes from like really dramatic television, like prestige television to like stage drama. Like I felt like, the king slayer yeah my name is jamie and then like the lights go down the curtain shuts you know what i'm saying like that's what it felt like (laughs) yeah no you're right it was was very how could the honorable ned stark you know him just going from at you know yeah absolute like nominee per just performance out the ass to the king slay somebody come in here yeah I don't know. yeah no it just i, I love the scene it just took a really oh. funny tone there at the end um mm. but we then head to hollow hill where elsewhere in the river lands at a hideout of the brotherhood without banners sandor clegane uh, sandor clegane prepares to fight Barrett yeah. on trial by combat and as both men prepare Throw some mere praise to the lord of light to judge sandor for his crimes if he is guilty or give strength to his sword if he is innocent before the fight begins, Barrett calls upon the Lord of Light to ignite his sword with flame, using only his blood. Due to the due to Sandor's fear of fire, Barrett initially has an advantage against this guy, but Barrett even manages to set Sandor's wooden shield on fire, which is strapped so tightly to Sandor's arm that he cannot remove it and nearly burns himself. However, Sandor's raw physical power and anger overpowers Beric, and with a single downward swipe, cuts right through his flaming sword, <laughs> his armor, and deep into his shoulder. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, killing um, him. I mean, I love how absolutely dude is, is like, falling in half, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely. And then a little bit of prayer, little, you know, eh, not today. And it, it's just, his shoulders, it, it's back. I guess it, it's wow. magic. He's resurrected. So- he fucking cool mm. is knowing that both of these characters play such an instrumental role in Arya Stark becoming the person she is mm. that neither of them can die therein the person who has to win is the hound so Beric can be resurrected that's right actually the reason both of them can't die is because of Arya, and Arya must live to kill the Night King. Like mm. Arya, and do you is recall crucial. Yeah. season eight, episode three, the scene where uh, Melisandre asks Arya, "You know, what do we say to the God of Death?" Not today. The people mm-hmm. who got her to that room are the Hound and Beric Dondarrion. They ran, they ran all the way through. Beric takes all those knives in the back from the dead. The hound gets her into that room, shuts the door, locks it. Like that, that moment is why both of them have to live through this interaction so that they can get her to that, which is hmm. fucking nuts. Interesting that he has uh, a fear of fire and like, uh, 
being you used so heavily by the Lord of Light, you know, like mm. if if uh that his childhood trauma is there's something more to that, you know, like it scared right. it it kept him away from fire for just the right amount of time to stay alive, you know, and then uh, you know, sort of thing. Like it just kept him away. I don't know. Uh, like, wow. Yeah, I never thought. Never thought about like it. It having to serve Arya. You know, like they. Oh yeah, like that's there. Yeah, that, like the um, fact that this whole thing is under the guise of Thoros praying, like, "May the Lord of Light judge these men for the crimes if he is guilty, or give strength to his sword if he is innocent." It's not about whether he's innocent or guilty. It's whether or not the Lord of Light needs him later. You know, like it's like, yeah, uh, he sure as shit is guilty of yeah. all that shit you were talking, but. We need that motherfucker. Um, Dang, that's tr- okay. Yeah, it's much bigger. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's you got to think about it on the level of, of God type yeah. shit. Yeah, that's that's nuts. Um, but uh, yeah, I love when Beric falls to the ground and Thoros just stands there like shocked, and then he's like, "Oh my God!" By the by, the Lord of Light. I mean, the, the, like he just he just spits out that fast little prayer, and Sandor falls to the ground to desperately try and extinguish his flaming shield and. Mm. Arya Stark grabs a dagger and attempts to kill the hound while he is down, <laughs> but uh, Gendry stops her, and as she curses him, Sandor taunts Arya over how the gods prefer him over her dead friend. Damn. However, they're uh, they're both interrupted as Beric has been revived and is like, uh, oh yeah, check this shit out. And everyone's like, what the fuck? This dude was falling apart a second ago, like five seconds ago. It was not, it was not a long time. And uh, Having won the trial and proven his innocence in the eyes of God, Sandor is allowed to leave. And the Brotherhood had taken all of the gold Sandor had on him to defund their claws, and in lieu of returning it, Barrett gives him a promissory note, which will grant payment at the end of the war. And Sandor scoffs at this and throws it to the ground, but uh, some dude says he should be thankful they're letting him leave with his life. And I mean, if I'm the Hound... You know, I, I he 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 has his life in King's Landing and everything and and whatever, but like he's been afraid of fire and I, I get it. But he just he chopped a dude in half almost, saw him come back to life and tell him like, yeah, not today. I think from that moment on, I'm kind of like, I think I'm staying here. Yeah, um, right. Well, you know, it has like that effect on somebody. Yeah, uh, true. This yeah. is. <laughs> Um, Gendry's repairing Barrack's armor and Arya questions why and you know we're going to be leaving soon and Gendry's like I'm not I'm going to stay on work as a smith uh, they've got some cool shit going on here man I like it uh, yeah and his reasons are are like he's always been bossed around he's always been sold and and you know just a a, a lower tier it's he's never been free you know his reasoning's a lot more fair but also it's probably just he saw a dude come back to life, and he's like, okay, for all of those reasons, plus something's going on here that is... <laughs> yeah, similar to Jorah with Daenerys. Something. He's like, um, yeah. watches her walk out of a fire unscathed. Yeah. He was like, I was already down with you, dog, but now I'm like unquestionably yeah. never leaving your side. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you see... Because, th- like, especially being... Uh, like they, I don't know. They they talk about it later. Like how many times he's come back, you know? Yeah, I think that and like, sixth. yeah, like yeah, like you hear about it at first, but you don't you don't see it happen. So you're like, okay, sure, it could just be all stories, whatever. But then you see it happen, and then you hear them talk about it happening. Like it's yeah, it's six times. Like this is the sixth one or whatever. And it's like, oh my god, like wait, like it re- makes you rethink about it like a whole different way. Like, um, mm. like 
just what a I don't know. Almost went with him for the character uh, right. of the episode, but but oh, not like quite. I, said, um, I almost went with Macy Williams yeah. for the performance because of that, the yeah. charging the hound. And then this scene, whenever, mm-hmm. you know, Gendry laments that, you know, he'd be serving in the Brotherhood, too. But they chose Beric as their leader. They're more like a family. And. Uh, you know, Gendry's never had a family and Arya like chokes up and is like, I could be mm-hmm. your family. And yeah. in response, Gendry's like, nah, you can never, you can never be my family. You'd always be my lady, which isn't true. He's King's blood. Man. Yeah. That, what, what does he mean by that? You'll, you'll only be my lady. Like, uh, as like, in this, like, like he, you're not, you, you're not my back. blood blood. Or like yeah, that's a callback to the fact that, you know, whenever he real whenever she confessed that he she was Arya Stark, he was like, Oh my god, I've pissed in front of you. I like I should have called uh, you my lady. Like what are we you know, he's like, you know, you could you could act like you're my family, but I can't I would never be able to call you mm. Arya. I'd never be able to call you I by see. your name. You would that always be my lady. Uh, it would always remind him that he is subservient by comparison. Yeah, but no, 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 no. He's he he's got that blood in him. Um, got that dog in him. Yeah, and he I don't know. And he's is Lord of Storms End by the end of this show, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah he's 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 in there. Is he in that? No, maybe not there. Actually, never. Are you looking at the poster? Yeah. No. Oh wait. No. Yeah. There's a hammer. He he's yeah. That's him. Because I think, nice. I think it, he gets sent back, right? He he, like they're about to go fight, but he's the one who goes back. Yeah, he um, runs all the way back to the wall yeah. and collapses, and gets Daenerys to go help them. Um, That's right. Um, but I think that is that could be him with the hammer, but I'm not sure. Yeah, he uh, has a shaved hound... head, right? Buzz cut head at that point. Yes. Gendry? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sick. I was um, gonna say though, like. The hound ends up taking that hammer into battle because Gendry doesn't need it to run all the way back. So, yeah, that's there's that fact too. Uh, but later that night, Arya looks into the campfire and recites her na- nightly prayer uh, for the death of her enemies. Thoros says, "You know, they plan to bring her to River Run to reunite her with her family and you know get a a nice reward in return for Rob to fund their cause and." Arya's like, so you're ransoming me. I'm a prisoner and you're ransoming me. And Thor's like, Thoros is like, ah, I mean, technically. But <laughs> don't look at it like that. I suggest looking at it the other way. And hmm. they, they do intend to escort her safely through war-ravaged countryside to her family. And Beric would like to return her for free out of memory for her father. But we really need gold. So, like, we, we would, but, like, we just, like, we need to. It's not like we're, like... Ah, we have plenty. We just want more. No, like we we need some fucking money, dude, man. Sorry, but and Barrick says, you know, uh, that she must be angry with him. But releasing Sandor was the right thing to do, as they promised to let him go if he won trial by combat. Mm. Arya is still quietly upset as she's now seen many honorable men keep their promises and behave lawfully, only to be murdered for it, such as her father and Yorin and etc etc but she wonders why Beric would want to let Sandor go when he nearly killed him but Beric insists you know he did kill me you know I, mm. I was dead and Arya's like how the fuck what and again the shadow looming over this entire <laughs> episode Ned Stark you know Beric being like 
you know, out of my respect for your father. And when Arya goes, do you think you could bring back someone with no head? I like that mm-hmm. shit hurt. Like I like that was that was the line that made me say Macy Williams initially, just because that was really good. That was really uh, good. Um, man, I mean, yeah, because before this, you know, she, I don't know, resurrection probably just not a, a thought on the mind, you know. It, but then you see that like moment, like glimmer of hope, like oh wait a minute, is there like. Is there a way, any way that this is possible? And it's like, uh, I don't think it looks like that child. Ah, man. That hurt. That hurt. What a show. Yeah. Season one. That happened. Season one. You know, that like, man, that dude. That impactful. And this episode more than any other episode is he like so relevant in like three different storylines. Yeah. And he's dead. Like, that's crazy. Um, The Honorable Ned. But, uh, yeah, they go, they recount all six of the times, including <laughs> this one that he has died. Uh, recent death by trial by combat, uh, impaled on a lance, shot with an arrow. Uh, at his fifth death, the Lannisters hanged him for treason and stuck a dagger in his eye, which, uh, didn't Fuckers heal. Fuckers couldn't decide. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> man, I mean, I, and they're just talking, yeah, yeah, it's just, you know. Whatever came back from another, that. Came back another from that, little yeah. detail that might yeah. might make me consider that you know, the Lord of Light and all of these gods are the same fucking guy. Is that Beric dies seven times? The final times. The final time he dies is the seventh time. Like mm-hmm. the seven gods, seven hells, all that. Like, okay. No, there's not like. There's something there. There's something there, but uh, yeah. If, if you're a god, you like to just put your, you know, your little, everything. your little numbers everywhere. or Something you know, your little, you know, just eat, this, you're playing this god. One's yeah, for me, you know. Yeah, like, like I like to have my fun. Now this guy, he'll be my champion. He'll die seven times. It's let me little, just sprinkle his death in there. Egg, yeah, you know? let, me, let me see if they'll figure it out. Yeah, it's I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, hey, Lord, that's the thing though of, of this watch, the Lord of Light. That's that's the one I know. Is like there's no yeah, doubt. No, doubt. there's there's no doubt. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I put uh, sadly, I don't. Yeah, we we got no Hodor's. Uh, so no Hodor's. No brand either. But, so like nothing. Yeah. nothing there. But but I I'll put in Arya running at, at the Hound with a dad. You know that that's a name on the on the list. The Hound. It was an attempted kill. Yeah, um, true. Didn't quite work out. But uh, but yeah. I'll I'll mark it down just for something. You did you know. count that for the reason last episode. I though, did. She accused count. the Hound of murder last episode. Oh, but then she charged. She him actually was gonna go through with the action here if she could. If she was not yeah. held back, whether she was gonna die or not, she was gonna go she was for. Gonna it. try. Okay. Um, I so oh, I feel like there is a difference. Um, okay. Fair enough. But Varric uh, <laughs> uh, explains that being brought back from the dead carries a heavy toll. As pieces of his memory and who he was before chip away every time. And he says he wouldn't wish it on anyone. And Arya says, you know, I would wish. I would wish it for my father. Because, you know, you're alive. And that's that's the last of that. Man. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess the Lord of Light didn't need honorable old Ned anymore. Well, he sets it all in motion, you know? Like, that is the action that that's... sets it all in motion. The kids are where they need to be. Yep. 
You know, I mean, we know where it goes. Arya does do that. John does do that. Um, Rob doesn't quite get there. Sansa does, you know, well, she gets there, you know, but like, yeah, they, they get there. They're, they're where they're supposed to be. It's a hard road. Um, but they're where they're supposed to be. It's okay. Um, we'll talk well, about Rob a little later, but, uh, yeah, yeah, but. On Dragonstone, next, King Stannis Baratheon is still deeply depressed after his defeat at the Battle of Blackwater and doesn't have the daily support of the Red Priestess since she left. And most of Stannis' mm. army has been destroyed. Uh, the only reason the Lannisters haven't attacked Dragonstone yet is because most of their uh, most of their fleet was destroyed at Blackwater and they can't yet mount an assault. And with little else to do, Stannis takes the time to visit his wife. And this is where we meet Queen Selyse and later on uh, his daughter, which is very mm. cool. We learn that Queen Selyse is an avid follower of the Lord of Light and really, really likes Melisandre, is completely okay with the fact that Stannis uh, <laughs> uh, had sex with Melisandre and he bared her a son. Um, Not really. But that in her eyes, she says that's like I think she knows exactly what happened, and she's like, "Yeah, she buried you a son." Salise is fucking nuts. Um, yeah, I mean, I get it, it's really sad. Like she's kept up in a room, it seems, like with her three stillborn children. Yeah, like just in vats. Um, yeah, I also don't think anyone's uh, making her do that. You know what I'm saying? That's also yeah. That she, yeah, true. She did, yeah. Okay. I don't think anyone's like, well, let's be sure to put these in a bat and hang, put them on the dresser here. These she is a little, yeah. It, it, you're right. It is, yeah. She's a little, a little cuckoo. No, she's a little batshit. And you know, part of that probably is, you know, the fact that she is kept up in this room. But who knows? Maybe because there's, there's a lot to it. Uh, it's a, it's a complicated relationship. Stannis is by no means a saint or sane yeah. by any means. Uh, he's He's got a lot of fucked up shit going on. But you can tell that this shit's been taking a toll on him. Like, he yeah. comes to apologize for everything. He's like, yeah. dude, I I broke a sacred vow. I'm I'm not good. I broke our I broke our marriage vows. I did some bad shit. And, uh, you know, she's like, no, that's cool. Yeah, that's whatever. I don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah, I know. She's like, actually, I know. Um, and I'm actually cool with it and actually glad that it happened, Stannis. And he's like, what the fuck? What's, what? No, like, this is not what I, okay. Like, I don't know. You could just tell he's like, okay, I guess I'm glad you're not mad at me, but also you probably sh should. I don't know. He's like, it was, I don't know. Stannis is, I don't know, very, just a sad character overall. Just sad dude, um, man. He, yeah, just, you know, just kind of just gets the worst, you know, the short end of the stick most of the time. But uh, but uh, yeah, the, just the double sad here. Yeah, yeah. it eventually evolves to the idea that he's also come to visit his daughter, and the mom, Salise, very clearly despises her daughter. Um, it's like, oh, you came to see her too. Disgusted, like, and you know, he's like, I would like to see my daughter, and she's like, well, I can't stop you. You're a fucking king, you know. So do what you mm -hmm. want, but. I don't know sort why of a little passive aggressive though. Yeah. Sort of like you don't need my permission, you know. But like, yeah. that's why he came there to apologize and to be like, I'm gonna go see my daughter. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, so I don't, I don't know. It's a little. I feel like a little bit of both. Um, For sure. 
But, but uh, Shireen is alone uh, in a room drawing and singing a song about life under the sea to herself and is, ex- is very excited to see her father. And what's interesting about this song is that song is actually uh, Shireen and Solis are much larger characters in the books. They are very much so scaled back mm. for for this show and it's in its purposes, especially through season two. They do become a little bit heavier mm. players. Shireen does anyway. She doesn't. Uh, doesn't she like? Isn't she friends with Patchface or whatever in the books or something like it? It's not. Um, he's he, she's friends with the fucking uh, the jester. Yeah, I think it, I think that's his name. Pat or and something like that. The song that, that yeah. she's singing is actually the song that the jester just repeats. Yeah, yeah. Now. There's something weird going on. Yeah, I for, I remember there was something weird going on with her and and her her friend because I was like I didn't think it was. Uh, um, oh my god. Uh, Onion Knight. What the fuck is Davos? Davos, yeah. Um, I didn't think it was Davos. It didn't feel I'm like, I remember it for the show, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember, like, the... And I also haven't gotten much deeper into the book than I did fucking since Mm. we started talking about this season, but... uh, But, yeah, there's... I don't know. I remember there would be something weird going on with with her. Um, Kind of like the... uh, In House of the Dragon, that... uh, I know, I know. Yeah. Like... I don't know. There's something it's something about the daughters, you know. There's always like one of those daughters that just kind of seem to sing and talk about bugs and <laughs> you know, just bring up random things at, at at times where they don't make sense. Um granted but, this this little girl is kept in a dungeon. Yeah, that's um, so sad. Oh. Grayscale too. Like Yeah. Yeah. Man. But Stannis wanted to see his daughter and his awkward and expressing expressing any sort of warm emotion towards her and it's like you've grown since i last saw you and she's just been downstairs which is kind of devastating too you know like we've seen him at dragonstone hundreds of times yeah he could have went to go see him at any time stairs at any point um but uh she says she heard that there was a battle and asks if he won and he's like no i didn't and that's what's so like interesting about this interaction is that stannis very like clear like what a complicated character that is. Like, he's not a good guy, clearly, but he feels bad about the guy that he is. You know, mm. like, he recognizes his faults, knows he shouldn't be the way he is, but can't stop being that way, which yeah. is uh, an odd balance to strike. And I think that this guy plays it extremely well, you know? Uh, you know, mm. the way he's like, no, we didn't win. And he's he's, like, being kind of sweet, and it's like, that's just a weird, weird light to cast him in. But uh, uh, Shireen is slightly let down, but asks if the Onion Knight came back as well. And uh, <laughs> he's like, nope, he's a traitor. You got to forget about him. Fuck him. And uh, best to put put him out of your mind. And uh, she's like, motherfucker. So mm-hmm. later that night, she sneaks on down to the dungeon and finds the cell of Sir Onion Knight. And he wakes up and tells her she shouldn't be there. But she explains that the fat guard Bert is on duty, who usually drinks a lot of wine and sleeps through his watch. And she asks if it's true that he's a traitor, and he says, you know, yeah, I disobeyed your father. And she's like, nah, I don't give a fuck, you're my buddy. Yeah. Um, nope, you must get bored down here. Yeah. And I, um, I need you to I'm read. not okay with that. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, ought, you ought to read some. This is about Aegon the Conqueror and his dragons, you know, the the Targaryens built Dragonstone, where this this castle we live in, I think that's pretty cool. And Davos is like, ah, yeah, that's really, really sweet of you, but I'm I'm afraid it's wasted on me. And she's like, What do you mean by that? He's like, Well, uh my 
I can't read the words, my lady. And Trude's like, oh, shit, no problem. Let me just teach you. I'll always, I'll come down when Fat Guard Bert's on duty, and we'll be cool. And uh, Davos <laughs> is like, you really shouldn't do that. And she's like, uh, what's the worst they can do? Lock us in cells? Mm-hmm. And they're both like, ah, <laughs> uh, uh, hey, yeah. And then she, I love just that. Immediately love get that. into it. Like, and this right here, A E G makes the egg sound. You know, like, I don't know. It was just, uh, I don't even know where to begin. You know, she's like, oh, that's easy. Just right at the beginning. Like, I don't know. It's just so, so cute. I just love um, them, dude. And yeah. that's, that's a devastating storyline that just hurts my fucking soul. But it boosts Davos in a way that's like, oh, that's one of the best characters in this fucking show. Like, uh, does Davos? Dude. Davos makes it out, right? He's on the. Yeah, yeah. It, what, what's his position? Master uh, of ships. Ships. ships? Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. So no. But due to the fact that Shireen is later burned at the stake, um, Davos holds a deep hatred in his heart for the Red Woman. Um. And vows to kill her if she ever comes back. And then he sees her for the first time again at the Battle of Winterfell. Walks straight up to her. Is ready to murder her. And she's like, don't worry. You ain't got to do shit. I'm going to be dead in the morning. So. I forgot. I, did, I kind of forgot about that. I didn't know that he kind of walked up to her. Um, oh, yeah. He's like. Did that. He's ready. He's ready to fucking kill her. If, and then so that's why she just takes off the necklace and is like, "All right, whatever." Like my, yeah, my like job next done, morning. Like, yeah. Wow. Because like that's before the battle. <laughs> and she says that, and he's kind of like, "Okay, I guess that's, I guess that's good enough." Um, we'll see. Because um, I mean, if you don't die tomorrow morning, I'm gonna kill your ass. So <laughs> that dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, nevertheless. That ends the story there, and we head to King's Landing, where Queen Regent Cersei Lannister encounters Littlefinger in a courtyard and tells him she fears that the Tyrells do not have their best interests at heart, but her father will not listen. And therefore, she asks if he will uh, use his spies to try and find out what they're up to, because he has a good working relationship with them after brokering the Lannister-Tyrell allegiance. And uh, he agrees, but Cersei warns him that this had better produce more results than when she previously asked him to find Arya Stark. Uh, and he's like, note taken, I will do my best. <laughs> um, and in the castle garden, Sansa and Marjorie watch her brother Sir Loras spar with the squire, and Sansa confidently remarks on his fighting ability and inquires when she uh, when she's going to marry his ass. And So when's that going to happen, uh, yeah, Marjorie? Like... As soon as possible, please. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> As per the Tyrell plot to keep her out of the hands of Baelish and or the Lannisters. And Marjorie replies that, you know, she will plant the seed of the idea after she and Joffrey are married. And Sansa's like, okay, I don't really buy that Joffrey's going to be down for that. But Marjorie is quite confident he will do it to please her once she is his wife. And after the match, Sir Loras' new squire, Oliver, flirts with him. And, you know, they kind of lock eyes. They both like... They both put the eyebrow up, and they're both like, okay, yeah, let's go. Uh, and they, they head back to Loris's chambers where they get to fucking, and uh, as they finish, Loris mentions that he is engaged to be married, a fact that Oliver, a spy, passes on to his real master, Littlefinger. I guess you just you just talk after you, you know? That's, that's, 
You just get to talking. Sadly, I, I guess Littlefinger, he's he's got a good business for some secrets. You know, it's it's a good way to get people to talk. Um, How did you know that yeah. that whole conversation was like, oh, I know. <laughs> I oh, mean, I, oh, I know. Come on, yeah. It was, <laughs> um, I don't know, I man. That. It was that was another great scene, and uh, I, Oliver pops up a few more times, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm pretty sure him and uh, Oberyn. Played by Pedro Pascal, fuck at some point in the show, which is also hmm. just another fun, fun little. I forget fact. Pedro. Yeah, just kind of comes in and just yeah, they just yeah, they just kind of partake. Pedro Pascal just fucks um, around. That's yeah, potentially the greatest character in this show ever, <laughs> as far as just being ridiculous levels of cool. I think yeah, whenever um, he comes in, it's just he will get the character nod no matter what. If he pops like, up in one one scene. Um, just if it's, if it's a single shot, it's almost cheating. Like yeah. I'm going to, like, I'm probably just going to show my bias hard there, <laughs> but, uh, a short time later, Littlefinger meets with Sansa offering her a place on his ship that will take him from the capital to the Vale of the Aaron. And we've been forgetting that she denies this in favor of a marriage to Loris, which is why we were always like, does he like, that doesn't happen for a fucking season. You know, does mm. he take her mm-hmm. and he does eventually, but it's just not now. And. Sansa practices lying for a change and tells him that they should wait until after Joffrey's wedding, primarily because she fears for his safety if the plan fails. And a master manipulator, Littlefinger, is clearly suspicious of her motives, but doesn't press the matter for the moment. Instead, he says he is touched for her concern and insists that she call him Peter. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, don't... Like, I'm just trying to really get you... Um, at the end of this, I'm uh, yeah, like that. That's really why he's like, oh, I'm I glad. Have one you know, motive. So. Um, I'm glad you're, you know, you're worried for me. But if you really knew what my motive was, um, <laughs> uh, maybe you wouldn't be talking to me right now. Um, yeah, no doubt. But uh... yeah, ah, man, poor Sansa, just being. No matter, I mean, the Laura situation is good. You know, it's the best of the situations for sure. But still is just She's being, still being used as a piece yeah, completely. on board. Um, yeah, which sucks. But yeah, yeah, at the all the while though, Tyrion Lannister is engaged in a meeting with Olena Tyrell with the upcoming royal wedding shaping up to be <laughs> quite the expensive affair, and Tyrion is concerned about the cost. And Olena points out, you know, like, oh, you're asking me for help with money, are you? You know, I mean, it's not like we've provided the city with uh, soldiers and goes off and here. Don't fucking food and lecture water me about money. We've given you a million bushels of wheat, a million bushels of this, a million dues. Of I know the blah, exact blah. Yeah, she's like, like, don't don't come at me. And that's like this scene. I was for a character. I think Olena just actually gets it here because. Tyrion is my dude, and I love Tyrion, but man, did she put Tyrion in the dirt right here. Like, I mean, just, um, we've been talking about the fast talkers, you know, Varys, Tyrion, Littlefinger. None of them can hang when Lady Olena Tyrell's there. Yeah. Like, because Tyrion was like, Tyrion was just like, oh, oh shit. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And then Olena's the one that's just like, even formally, formally make a request. She's like, yeah, I'll pay for half. And are we done here? Right, Hell yeah, to... that's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, he's like, like... Did I... she's like, I did. I really climb all these steps for that. Wow. All right, whatever. Half. Uh, see you later. I gotta go yeah. eat my figs. Or where are my figs? Yeah, she's like, yeah, where are my figs? I really gotta Fodric, shit. 
Yeah, Padre, go get my figs. I gotta take my shit soon. Yeah, like, oh my god, Elena Tyrell just... Incredible character, dude. Um, Incredible character. She's taking it. Taking it for me. I love uh, that. That's her her second character nod this season alone for uh, between the two Mm -hmm. of us. So that's... uh, She's (laughs) deserving, for sure. But uh, later on, Tyrion heads to the small council chamber to report the success of this interaction with his father, Tywin, only to find Cersei present as well. And again, what an incredible fucking scene between Peter Dinklage and Lena Headey. And just to sprinkle <laughs> something on top of it, how about mm. a little Charles dance for you? Oh, to yeah. Toss them around. Like, Absolutely immaculate. You have Cersei sitting there all, like, waiting for this to happen. She's like, yes, I can't wait to see this, you know? Like, she's oh, yeah, that look on her face. Her, oh, and my. her eyebrow yes, lifted, like, you know? She's so ready. She and then, can't hold it back. She is so smug. She is so satisfied. And, mm-hmm. you know, Tywin explains the Tyrells are plotting to wed Sansa to Sir Loras, and Tyrion's like, dope. I don't I don't care. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is she really the king of the North? As far as I'm concerned, Rob Stark is alive and well. And Tywin explains, you know, the Starks have deserted. Rob's days are numbered. Yeah, they know. I think he knows a few more reasons why Rob's days are numbered, but he's Mm -hmm. keeping that to himself. And uh, Theon Greyjoy murdered Rob's younger younger brothers at Winterfell, according to common knowledge. Mm. And it (laughs) makes Sansa Rob's heir. If he dies, rule of Winterfell in the North goes to her and any man she marries, which... Tywin has no intention of letting the Tyrells get their hands on and therein. Tyrion questions if it is wise to offend their allies by refusing the match. Tywin points out that as a plot against them, the Tyrells' plan is, by definition, a secret. Thus, the Lannisters can't be said to be refusing anything. Uh, He also notes that Tyrells won't go through with their plan until after Joffrey's wedding, which means they need to act first. Mm. Namely, by finding Sansa a husband. And after a moment, realization dawns on Tyrion as he realizes he's talking about him. Uh, And Tyrion tries to protest, pointing out that Joffrey has made Sansa's life a living hell since the day he had her father executed. And to force Tyrion on her is just plain fucking cruel, even by Tywin's standards. And Tywin questions if Tyrion plans to mistreat Sansa and asserts that he is not concerned with the girl's happiness and neither should his son. And, uh... Tyrion protests that Sansa is a child, but Cersei uh, counters she has flowered and is a woman now. We have definitely talked about it, I can assure you of this. And Tyrion's like, no, 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 no. And uh, <laughs> Tom points out that recently he's been, he's been uh, you know, complaining about how he wasn't rewarded for his actions at the Battle of Blackwater, and the heiress to the north seems like a suitable reward. And you can tell Tyrion, uh, Tywin gets satisfaction out of this one. You mm. know, like, he doesn't let it show that he's, like, happy to be punishing someone a lot, but, like, he even gets a little bit of the Cersei smugness going on his face. Mm-hmm. It's a little curl of the lip, a little bit of an eyebrow raise. Because, yeah, because then he's like, my children, you know, you, 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 what have you done? You know, finally, you're going to start doing something for me. He gets, you know, he, he knows he's dropping a bomb, you know, on him. And he, he like, it's, I don't know. It's everything's coming, coming up wheelhouse. Cause then he gets, you know, to drop a bomb on Cersei as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's in the, but um, before that, <laughs> you know, he's like, uh, he, he points out that it is long past time Tyrion was wed and angered. 
Tyrion points out that he was wed. Mm. You know, have you forgotten that? And uh, Tywin returns his son's hateful glare and growls back that he remembers all too well, like he's Taylor Swift. <laughs> and Cersei gloats over the matter, but her smug attitude quickly evaporates when her father is like, and Cersei will wed Sir Loras. And that's when Tyrion goes, oh, like his little, his facial change, like, oh, yes, look at that. Look oh, at like, yeah, now I get my moment. You and know. that's when Cersei goes, she just shakes no. her head and goes, no, no, that's not Mm-mm. happening. Yep. And yep. I was like, again, the way Lena Headey can just. She can be in one scene, and wow, does she do fucking good in it. Yeah. The way she points out, like, you will not, I will not do that again. You will not make me. And uh, Tywin points out mm-hmm. that Cersei is still fertile. She needs to marry and, quote, breed. And uh, Cersei protests as she is queen regent and not a brood mare. And Tywin angrily roars back that she is his daughter and will do as she is told. And she will marry Loras, and in doing so... Put an end to what Tywin calls the disgusting rumors Stannis has been spreading about her and Jamie. Yeah, so I guess and... Tywin sees it as disgust, you know, disgusting. So mm-hmm. like that that's that's very interesting that it's not like it, it's not familiar. It, by it's now, familiar. yeah. It's just uh just a them thing. Um and now I'm really wondering how much Jamie's really in on it. Um like or if it's just been like the only one he's ever you know, like if it's because I guess maybe Brienne is just maybe the first to give him like second thoughts, maybe. And like up until then, it's been like kind of. And I would say that he hasn't even necessarily given second thoughts about Brienne yet. That. I think there's something about Jamie and Brienne where Jamie's never had romantic feelings for a woman besides Cersei and he's also never had platonic friendship with Mm. a woman and as soon as he did as soon as he starts to gain an ounce of trust and anything he confuses it for romance um and it eventually does evolve into that but like at the beginning I don't think Mm. he realizes that what he's feeling is just like friendly admiration not necessarily sexual attraction or romantic attraction yeah. Um so I think he's just like he's trying to see Cersei in Brienne at first yeah. as well. Oh yeah. And like uh like just like kind of mask it that way and it's, it's still Cersei sort of thing. Um uh, but then it slowly turns into it just being Brienne. So uh, yeah, I think it does take a little time and it's not yeah, not there yet. Hmm. But yeah, regardless uh I'm passionately of the mind Jamie loved Cersei more than Cersei ever loved Jamie. And uh, Mm. Cersei is simply incapable of loving anyone who doesn't resemble herself. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it it doesn't seem that it it was the best relationship. Um, It it, it just, you know, for one, it's brother and sister obvious reasons um uh so that that's uh, there's one Um, automatically unhealthy that way but then there are layers to the relationship of in and of itself that are also quite unhealthy um nevertheless taiwan uh, taiwan refuses to listen and storms out in disgust raging that the pair have disgraced the lannister name for far too long and cersei slowly shifts her gaze toward Tyrion to gauge his reaction to her distress but he is too glum 
about his own predicament. And the last shot this leaves us on with like the Lannister lion up in the corner and Cersei and Tyrion sitting at that table. I was like, oh yeah, that's fire. That's just so fucking good. It's nuts to me that the end of the episode, the thing that gets you to be like, oh, you know, whatever. It's not Daenerys having her big moment freeing the slaves of their names. It's not King Rob beheading someone. It's not, it's just a dad telling their kids, you have to marry these people. Right. And, and, but it is still such a big moment. It is still like, World what a, general. what a play. Like, holy shit, that's gonna, that's gonna change the fucking game. And it's, it's nuts that that's like, that's the end of the episode. While all of that happened before, you know, like, um, and that's, I don't know. That's why the show is just different. Like, there's, a different it's a different it's just a dad being like you're gonna marry you're gonna marry her and you're gonna marry him and you're gonna like it and that's (laughs) it that's the end like that's the end of the episode and you're supposed to be like oh i'm watching the next episode now and it is true like it makes me want to be like well now i need to know what the fuck happens it's like it's insane uh like what a way to end like an episode it's just but charles dance lena hetty and peter dinklage just just acting their asses off in a room together Oh, fucking yeah. incredible but uh yeah with that i think we ought to throw a rating at this bad boy am i correct mm. uh, i think we're ready for it oh yeah um All right um enjoyment wise hmm. how are we uh how are we feeling about this one it's pretty stacked uh, i'm not not like at a 10 i don't think uh, it's no, a good it's a episode? great episode of last episode was a 10 um for enjoyment yeah. I don't think I'm quite um, on the level that that one got me to, but I'm not far off. Like I think uh, it's a nine or above. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Like maybe just a nine, kind of flat out. It's just it was it was top tier the whole time. It, it you know just it was it was just really good the whole time, um, but not just. I don't know. Yeah, I guess last episode just kind of had some some bigger moments you know you had Daenerys really going off there uh we had we had things that we thought were happening at the finale um happening right. in that episode so uh, so yeah. just and it was firing at all cylinders but this I mean they, they were still firing uh that's for sure yeah um, no I'm with you if, I think I, uh, I think a nine's that, fair I think a nine's fair that puts oh. at the same level as episode two this season uh dark wings dark words that was a good episode um, so if we if we do You'll give it a nine. no complaints out of me for that one, but uh, yeah, all right. Then um, we haven't done away with genre yet, right? For this, no, one. I don't think. Yeah, for three. Yeah, well, I mean, um, so, keeping with the entirety of season three, it's still a ten. Um, yeah, I don't think they've they haven't stopped the first the first or the last time it hasn't been a ten was episode five of season two. Um, Season one, like, the last half was all tens, and then the last half of season two was all tens, but then all of these have been tens so far, and I don't they've, I don't think that's going uh, to change. The yeah. formula is there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all right. And then critically, I think this one's damn good. Yeah. I think it's every bit as well shot and potentially every bit as well written as last episode. Um, in fact, I struggle to find something that I think makes this better or worse than last episode what uh what did we give last episode a nine five was last episode i think it's that good i think yeah. it was i think it was pretty tightly written um 
I think the choice to it's a, it's a very conscious choice to have Ned Stark looming over the entire episode because we don't get that every mm. every week, you know. And for it to happen in three separate storylines where Ned Stark is mentioned by name or just kind of looming over there like a presence that's mm-hmm. threatening everything, um, that's yeah, pretty we, strong. We really had like I think the first kind of breakout performance for Maisie Williams, like really mm-hmm. like she did really well. Rob, you know, Richard Madden did really well. Nicolaj. Oh my God. Like, yeah, just every, everyone was doing so well. The writing was great visually. Like, yeah, the, the, the Riverland shots, like with Rob in in the rain, all of the, like all of that was just so good. Yeah. Uh, fuck cave and flame cave. Um, fucking flame cave. Fire and ice, fire and ice, dude. Song of fire. Oh, dude, that's kind of, that's kind of lit. Didn't even realize that. Yeah. One's in the north, very cold. Hot spring, though. But um, there you go. But yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think I, I'm confident it's the same level as last yeah. week. Um, yeah. Well, if, if we do give it a 9.5, that's that's a 9.5 for the episode. Um, averaging. Um, strong. Which is third place of the season so far. Uh, last episode was a 9.83. Uh, then it goes to the prim- the first episode nine. No. This is yeah the second episode of the season actually in second place right behind last episode. Um, yeah, which which I think Not makes sense. Bad. Just wasn't 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 quite last episode, but damn close. Um, I fuck with that. I fuck with that. So no, I think go. that's a good place to come down at ninety five percent. And now we got the episode. climb next. Holy shit. Um, yeah, season three is strong. Holy dude. shit! <laughs> like, this is a this is a fucking season right here. But uh, yeah, with that, I think we'll conclude this episode of Winter Is Blooming. If you would head to Patreon.com/slash PennyBloomPod, where you'll find over fifty hours of exclusive content, including all sorts of book reviews, comic book reviews, movie reviews, and the like. For three dollars a month, you can support this podcast financially, which is huge because it costs me money, and I don't make any off of it unless it's over there. So that'll be a big, big old help. Head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. Remember to leave a five star rate and review wherever you might be listening. That's a huge help for us. Um, if you were fucking with me and Joe today, remember to return every week. For Winter is Blooming, a Game of Thrones rewatch podcast. We're, like we said, halfway through season three, and we've still got four and a half seasons to go. Um, five, five and a half seasons to go. We got a lot of we got a lot of heavy lifting to do hmm. left, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for can't wait to keep going, and it's showing no signs of slowing up. Um, our comic book movie journey through film continues. And this Friday marks Spider-Man, which I'm very excited about. We'll be joined by our homie Michael Mealberger for the second time. Great episode there. And for all the 2000s babies, it's a big one. It's a formative one. Uh, The Mandalorian concludes this Wednesday, and we will be discussing it here uh, on Rebellion's Bloom. What will be the final episode of Rebellion's Bloom for a while. Um, That'll be a... Mm. That'll be this Wednesday, the Mandalorian season three finale. Go ahead and check that out. And then we're starting the Ahsokaast the Wednesday after that, where we'll be Hell taking yeah. a journey through the character of Ahsoka Tano and formative moments on her. So that's a lot, a lot in the lot in the gun for us. We got we got a lot coming up. So 
Y'all better be ready for that. With that, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. And help the Kingslayer!